Oh my god, what am I doing? Hi, welcome to Just Thinking Out Loud. My name is Desiree, or guest today is Alex Kashuta. I'm actually not sure how to pronounce her name, but she will also, I guess, correct me. I discovered her um, because she and I were both interviewed by Benjamin Boyce a couple of months ago. And I saw that she was saying a lot about feminism and the nature of males and females and modern society and how that influences those relationships. And I, I found that interesting, um, both as it relates to my journey being someone who is not from the United States and in some ways comes from a society where certain things uh, are normal that might be seen as someone making a very specific choice that's against the, the culture, the current culture uh, in, <laughs> quote unquote, the West. Uh, she describes herself as a female Chad in her Twitter <laughs> profile, which is hilarious. And uh, I'm excited to just delve into uh, some of these topics. So Alex, could you please uh, introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yes. Um, hello there. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Alex uh, Kashuta. So you're you're very very close. Though even my family is not very certain how we should be pronouncing this. It's one of these like weird Central European names that has you know a mysterious origin. We don't know exactly where it comes from uh, because you know record keeping is not great in in Eastern Europe. So it's uh, it's mysterious, and therefore I, I will accept any pronunciations. Uh, um, <laughs> anything goes. Um, I am a um, writer. I used to be a journalist in a more official capacity back in the day. And um, yeah, I, do. I write essays and um, I currently also have a podcast. So I'm essentially a cultural commentator. Uh, and I guess it's uh, very similar to, to you, Desiree. Okay, what's the name of your, your podcast? I mean, I ask you at the end too, but just so people know. Yeah, it's, it's called Subversive. It's really new. I just have like three episodes out. So um, yeah, it should, um, I don't know. I like it. I endorse it because it's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, essentially the, the concept is to, you know, to invite people that are a bit more like heterodox and, you know, have some ideas that are outside the box and just, you know, interview them. And yeah, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, the, the format. <laughs> Um, I do. So my first question to you is just to elaborate a bit more about how you got into thinking and speaking about these uh, topics. Yeah, I think I've I've always been kind of interested in ideas. I know this sounds a bit pompous, but you know, just like the the idea of um, of discovering you know what's what's really true and. Um, I, I went to college in the so-called West. I'm originally from Romania. I am now in Romania, but, uh, I spent probably the last 10 years, um, some, somewhere in the West, um, which was, I was in Austria, then I was in Barcelona in Spain, and then I lived in the UK for, for five years. So, um, it's been, it's been very interesting to kind of have this clash of, you know, being from, from a fairly different culture, Eastern Europe, and then, have going to the West, you know, becoming educated in the West and also kind of trying to integrate into the thought patterns of the West. Um, and I, I actually studied something very similar to gender studies. I have kind of a, an economics business degree. So um, I have a major in diversity management, which you can imagine is essentially, <laughs> is very, is very, very woke. Um, and um, 
I, I just, you know, when I went to college, I thought, okay, this is, this is the, the mainstream culture of the West, you know, it's kind of an aspirational thing that you want to become when you come from, you know, somewhere like Eastern Europe, which, you know, we've always looked up to the West, we want to become the West. Um, but then be also being a bit of an outsider, it became pretty clear to me that um, it was a pretty incoherent uh, ideology, like it was very, it was very uh, much based on you know, on some premises that were, you know, that were faulty, that were just not, um, that wouldn't stand the test of, of, you know, <laughs> anything, the test of time, the test of science. Um, and then fairly shortly after I got my bachelor degree, I kind of started to, you know, to, to rethink my position on feminism and on, on all of the, uh, the, the doctrine that I've been immersed in for the last two years. And, um, and also I think it's, you know, the collision with reality, reality does tend to, to wake you up. <laughs> right. So when you say, you said it's, um, just now you met feminism, like, yeah, would it stand the test of time? Yeah, feminism, okay. and you know, there's all, all sorts of you know things in the in the woke um, you know rep repertoire, all sorts of things that we're we're asked to believe on on faith alone. Right. Um, so, going off of that, and um, starting from, I guess one of the reasons why I had an interest in um, speaking to you. I mean, it's not like I'd never heard any of the things that you were saying before, um, just being online on the internet. Um, and I don't generally explicitly uh, discuss feminism per se, outside of looking at, say, double standards um, in terms of how men are treated versus how uh, women are treated. I, I, I do think I talk about that a bit. Um, and I guess I've also talked about transgender issues a lot, even though that's, that's not the same thing. I... Personally, a question that I've had um, is why is everybody lying about um, men versus women and how they might be different? Because I'm a woman. Um, I think I get along pretty well um, with men as an example. Um, first of all, I think the way my brain works um, is like slightly male, if that makes sense, more so than the average female. I don't know if, if that makes any sense. So like in very specific things, like politics, uh, for example, I mean, I'm very emotional and stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to examining topics, I do think I'm thinking in a way that's like not very feelings-based, I guess. And that's not to say women can't do that. Um, or like all women can't do that, but I do think in general, that's not something that, that happens naturally. I feel like I'm saying something very sexist right now, but <laughs> I like, I, I really, okay. <laughs> I really think that, um, this is a safe and also, space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then also, um, because I'm from Jamaica, um, so like, to give an example of Jamaican culture, a lot of which I, I don't like, if you listen to a lot of the popular music, um, which would be like dancehall, reggae, well, the, the reggae stuff is like more sweet, like romantic, etc. But the, the dancehall stuff, like it's very, very common for women to like tear each other down jokingly based off of how, they, how attractive they are to a man, for example. So they're, they're, they're like always clearly competing um, <laughs> in very witty ways, um, regarding like their, their body, like them, them body pop down. I mean, you, you won't know what I'm saying, I guess, but, um, so, and then like, if you're going out, you like, 
you dress up, you like you go to the club. I mean, I wasn't ever really a big fan of that stuff. Um, I also have friends who've, who've like gotten married very young and then they already have kids and, and all of that stuff just happens normally. And I feel like it's not, it's not like something that's really questioned. At the same time, I think there's also a bit of matriarchy. Um, and then there's also like fathers not being present. So that coexists at the, at the same time. But what I'm trying to say is no one like would find a lot of the things that say you talk about um, as odd or something to even be spoken about. And I guess that's because they haven't been uh, conditioned or exposed to rhetoric about say like women are just like men or women can just, it's okay to like not be thinking about having a family, for example, or things that I think in the West seem to be sort of pushed um, subtly, I would say, onto, onto women. So it's been, for me, a weird, slow, not even realizing it's happening in the background transition to where, say, for example, I recently had a very good friend <laughs> who got married who is like, she asked me, oh, like, if you got married, like, why would you want to take your husband's last name? It's, it's like, that's a question. And that's not something that like someone say in Jamaica would ask me. Like they wouldn't be like, why would you want to do that? It would be like, oh, that's a given. And like I, what I'm trying to specify is that it's not that these like what feminist ideas don't exist. So I have friends in Jamaica who like they have like both their parents' last name with like the dash in the middle. This is just an example. So like those concepts exist as well. But it's not like going against the grain in any way or seen as um, uh, odd in any way if you don't do that and you do something that is like more, more traditional. Whereas here, over here, it's like you're always making a statement if you, if you like do something like that. And so I guess what I'm saying is that I don't like <laughs> that. And but I think that's part of the reason why I was like interested in hearing what you, what you have uh, to say so I feel like I'm just talking about myself a lot but I'm trying to explain why I got interested in um, following you and I guess could you answer the question of why is everybody lying about <laughs> like <laughs> um, you know men versus men and women yeah this is a this is a good question I think it's the um, you know kind of there was there you know the, the the stages or the the waves of feminism you know we've kind of moved up the the hierarchy of of kind of getting to this place where um you know kind of like um like third wave fourth wave feminism essentially wants to create uh kind of this this perfect individual you know someone who's like free from the conditions of their society and the conditions of you know patriarchy or whatever whatever structures that surround this this individual need to be shed because you're not really free uh if you're you know tied to you know like traditions or tied to obligations to your family or things like that. Um, and a lot of things that they attribute to the patriarchy uh, are essentially things that 
our nature, you know, or the fact, you know, that women give birth, that they're, you know, more, they're, they, you know, bond with the baby and at a, you know, higher level, there's all sorts of hormones, there's all sorts of things that are very specific to the female life cycle, um, you know, uh, fertility, all sorts of things that, you know, people don't really like to discuss because they are constraining. Um, and if you ask, you know, a third or fourth way feminist, they're going to be like, oh, you know, it's a patriarchy constraining women. They want to see women barefoot and pregnant. They want to see us as, you know, as breeding mares. But um, the problem is that they, that they confuse the patriarchy with nature itself. And they really want to ignore this aspect of, of, of the human female because it is, it's kind of, um, it's incontestable. You can't really fight it out with nature. It's, you know, this is a human female. These are the parameters. There are things she can do. There are things she can't do. Uh, but this is something that this egalitarianism that's baked really deeply into the cake of, you know, these kind of later stages of feminism, it just can't allow. And another factor that comes into here is the fact that, you know, after the 1950s, once, you know, women got into the workforce, uh, the economic conditions also shifted in a way that, you know, having two people um, working was almost necessary to have a household. So it's it kind of, feminism kind of re reconstituted, you know, because a lot of times people think, oh, you know, women, you know, wanting to be girl bosses and wanting to lead the, you know, lead the, the market and whatever, Fortune 500 is, is a feminist initiative, but it's also the other way around, like you needed to work and then feminism came in and, you know, kind of provided the theory of why this is a good thing. But, you know, after, after a while, I think it was kind of in the, in the 1970s, productivity dropped so much that women needed to work. So um, it's kind of, you know, feminism just provides the story why, uh, why this is empowering, but you know, it's it's not necessarily empowering because if you look at the at the lives of many women, you know, they would they would definitely opt out if they could. All right, and speaking about women um, opting out in terms of the the narrative of uh, patriarchy, I mean, I I did watch like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, the former Supreme Court judge who had died. I watched her documentary, which I know was propaganda, but I do think that, you know, she had fought against like women not being allowed to go to law school or have certain jobs. And I think that's an actual issue that occurred. However, if you blame everything on like patriarchy and you frame everything as what men want, um, and you know, you're describing women wanting to opt out it seems as if no one actually cares um, what women what women may want, and so like if there's like nature and there are certain um, um, inclinations that a woman a woman might have due to nature, then maybe there are certain things she might want, like um, having families or not being in the workforce or stuff like that, and. I mean, I guess I'm just agreeing with you, but I want to point out that if you're always looking at patriarchy, then you're you're actually not focusing on what women want either. Like, it's not just about men. It's like, what do women actually want? And does that agree with your theory of third wave or fourth wave feminism as opposed to actual possible barriers to equality? Like, I know then, you know, like they only make it equal in some ways and you know you ignore 
inequalities against men, like in the court system, we're going to war. So I'm saying that understanding that even though there's inequality, they're also ignoring a lot of things that are not good for men. Um, but I do think that those were legitimate issues. But then when it comes to the current third wave, fourth wave feminism, I, I think that they ignore what women might want. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was female um, archetypes. So I'm not even sure if I'm wording that correctly, but in my, I, mind, in my mind, ideally, I would want someone to go after the things that they want, whether that be a man or a woman, but or you know, more speaking about women here. Would you say that there are different uh, roles that a woman uh, can make in society? And uh, feminism is almost restricting um, one of the natural uh, roles for women, women in terms of, say, being a nurturer or, or caretaker in favor of um, being some kind of worker. Um, and, um, well, I guess just talk about, about that, because I want there to be a place where women can do that if they want, but I do think that that's almost being suppressed. One part of that is almost, one aspect of being a woman is being suppressed, at least in the narratives that I, I feel like are lying about like <laughs> the simple nature, as you said, in terms of, you know, <laughs> women make, not on their own, but they like foster the breeding of life into the world, which men don't do. Yeah, exactly. There's there's quite a, a pretty strong, you know, surprisingly like anti-natalist strain in, in this whole conversation about feminism. It's like, you know, women are important. They're so important that having children is not important. You know, they're, they're it's, it's, yeah, because it's like you cannot, you know, like I said, you know, having children is already a societal imposition. It's like, it, it takes away your freedom. It takes away your capacity to work. Obviously it's, it's a burden and, um, you know, you shouldn't have to deal with it if you don't want to, and you shouldn't want to anyway, because it's, you know, it's the patriarchy trying to, you know, inject false consciousness into you <laughs> and, and tell you that this is something aspirational though. You, you shouldn't, you shouldn't really, because, um, yeah, it's, it's essentially a freedom constraining thing that you're doing while you're having children. Cause you're sacrificing your individual needs, you know, because it is hard, you know, you, you, it's not like you can have a child and then, you know, forget about it. It's quite a, it's quite a sacrifice. Um, and it also, it constrains you as, as you know, it constrains you as a producer, it constrains you as a consumer, because you're, you know, you're not going to be making frivolous purchases for yourself. You're just going to be focusing on the child. Obviously, if you're a good parent, <laughs> if you're a degenerate, then you can, you can do whatever, but hopefully, hopefully not. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that, I think that's, you know, that that's the, the main constraint here, you know, just trying to, to liberate people from every, any, you know, anything that might tie them down. And I, I kind of understand where they're coming from. Um, but at the same time, it also uh, ignores the fact that, you know, like you said, 
women have certain uh, predispositions. They have certain things that, you know, they, they do tend to want, they, they do gravitate towards and just telling them that that's, oh no, that's just, you know, the, the evil whisper of the patriarchy. You've just been memed into thinking that, uh, it's just not true because these are a lot of times like just biological compulsions, biological, you know, desires. And, um, and also the sad thing is that, you know, um, women are not told about timelines, you know, because in this whole paradigm that, you know, women are like men. Yeah, you're like men until maybe you're 25 years old and then you slowly are not like men because, you know, you're you can, you know, have the same career prospects the same trajectory and for example if when a man's 35 he's just at the at the top of his game he's made partner he's just you know ready to settle down but if you're a woman and you're 35 you have to think fast <laughs> you know it's, it's just not the same thing um and you know very few people talk about fertility um very few people talk about the fact that you know things like freezing your eggs is is just not feasible because one it doesn't really work and having children at 40 is not a chill thing you know you're you're probably going to be, you know, tired and it's not going to be the the funny, awesome uh, adventure you think it's it's going to be. So there's so many little constraints like that. Um, and just lying to women just to just to make sure that they have this fake freedom to what go on trips and, you know, <laughs> consume your products is um, is quite tragic. And I've, you know, I've, I've seen, that's kind of why I started speaking up about this as well. It's like, I see these cases, I see these women, they're not happy. They don't know what's wrong uh, because there's no, you know, very few people are talking about this. Um, you know, they might be talking about it in a more realistic way with their girlfriends, but the mainstream, you know, tells them that, oh, you go girl, you're going to be a girl boss. You're going to, you know, make partner or whatever, you know, career aspiration. But, you know, anyone who's spent, you know, 10 years climbing the corporate ladder knows that with each rung, it's just, you know, there's more responsibility. You might be making more money, but you're spending much more time in the office as well. It's not like uh, you're, you know, you're gaining some royal status once you're in the Fortune 500. It's it's a lot of work. It's, you know, it's like being um, it's like being a pro athlete. If you're a CEO, it's, it's quite a it's quite a tough gig. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Another question, well, I guess I should first say that I agree with what you're saying, but another question that I had for you or topic that I wanted to discuss was knowing things about how humans work. And we're discussing men and women here. Um, <clears throat> how do you balance giving people freedom <laughs> to do what they want um, assuming that they're not like directly harming another person, but still guide society morally. And the specific example I, I want to bring up um, that you've spoken about a lot is um, OnlyFans. So that's just one specific thing. I made a video on um, Pornhub where I went into a little bit of detail about, you know, what I thought about that topic. And I, I see this a lot. I, I see people doing things that I know is not, are, are not good for them. <laughs> but I think that they should be allowed to do it because, well, it's their life. But I also feel sad because you also know that there's, there's something happening with, um, 
young men in society in terms of not being able to make connections um, with women. Young people are not having as much sex. That's one of the, the stats that, that I've seen out there as, as much as they used to. And um, I mean, it's probably gotten so much worse now with, with COVID, with people being isolated and also put out of work. Um, I'm more oriented towards freedom, but I've seen you talk about how even though you want to allow space for people who are not the norm, for the vast majority of people, certain things are probably not good for them. So could you just talk about that? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, there's there's a, a bit of a difference between being things being, you know, legal or, you know, protected under the law or like, you know, just in the case of prostitution or things like that. You know, I don't think that, the, you know, the people who practice it should be, uh, you know, thrown to the lions and, you know, arrested or destroyed or things like that. Um, but, you know, the idea that because um, some people are engaging it and we shouldn't uh, attack them for it, that uh, a lot of these things should be destigmatized, you know, because you hear this all the time now, we need to normalize, destigmatize, it's the whole thing, uh, where a lot of things like this, that, you know, people say, oh, it's it's not hurting anyone, this is, you know, consenting adults, <clears throat> you know, the, the only the only moral limit that we still have is this, this idea of consent. Um, the thing is that, you know, things don't happen in a vacuum. Like, for example, if I were to choose to, you know, engage and, you know, have built an OnlyFans profile, um, I am a part of my community. I'm a part of, you know, if I were to post it on Twitter, you know, there's, you know, quite a few thousand people following me, you know, you know, people are um, mimetic creatures, you know, we do what other people do. Uh, we engage in things that are in front of us that are glorified that people that, you know, we respect or look up to are doing. Um, and this idea that, you know, ah, it's, it's consenting adults, they know what they're doing is, is a bit hard to digest, especially given that, you know, uh, our society insists to say that, you know, the kids, you know, kids at 18 years old, they're adults, they know what they're doing. But, you know, with the death of religion, with the death of like more, you know, close family structures that kind of teach people a little bit of a, you know, a moral background, give them a little bit of guidance um, to expect that people will make good decisions, you know, just when they hit hit 18 and when things like OnlyFans are paraded around and, and told, I mean, people tell them, oh, there are people making 100,000 a month, I don't know, bending over naked or whatever people do on the platform. Um, it's quite enticing. And if you don't have um, any sort of perspective to think like, you know, how how might this impact me? <laughs> you know, how might this impact my, uh, my mental health? How might this impact, you know, the society that I live in? What are the scale implications of this? What, what what does this uh, massive amount of pornography do to the consumer? Like you said, you know, uh, young men are, you know, almost completely driven mad by the, the amount of pornography and the availability of it uh, online. What do these platforms do with it? Like, did you know that OnlyFans has like a slot machine logic built into it? It's addictive because it's made on like a, on like a slot uh, like it has intermittent rewards baked into the into the interface like this is this is a machine for addiction 
Um, and people who make it are very smart because, you know, this is how they keep you on, on the site. This is how they make you pay. Um, and I feel like both the producer and the consumer are losing here and OnlyFans is making so much money. Um, and us, because we're like, oh, you know, live and let live. It's not hurting anyone. We shouldn't, we shouldn't get involved in it because, you know, it's all consenting adults. But I think consent is not the final frontier of morality. And I think we're, we're starting to learn this the hard way. Yeah, that, that that's a great statement. Consent is not the final frontier of morality. I, I guess for me, one thing that I want to do is uh, talk about it. You know, I guess that's my my solution um, is because I I do want people to do what they want to a certain degree, but I also think that if you know that something might not be good, and you know, like hair. We were, we were talking about the OnlyFans, but earlier we were talking about what women might want. Then, like, you kind of have a responsibility to say something to to like let people know. Okay, do what you want, but you know maybe you're not being given all the information that should be affecting the decisions, the decisions that you're you're making. Okay, so one other thing that I I wanted to talk about was, uh, um, so. A lot of times on the internet, I, I see um, a lot of blame going on between the sexes. <laughs> um, and my opinion, this is just my opinion on this, and I'm hoping that you agree, but of course you don't have to, or you could have some <laughs> nuanced perspective, is that you can't blame other people for like, what's happening in your life. So I say that while understanding that there's like a social context as we're, you know, we were just talking about. And so say like with men and like the court system being skewed against them, that's, you know, really obvious. Or I say this with a, with a I say this hoping it, it will be taken with a grain of salt or in the past with the court system being skewed against woman but I, I think that's only if you're you're not looking for the ways it might have been skewed against men um even though there are things that might be set up against you you can't be blaming in my opinion the other sex for like the outcomes of your life because ultimately who you bring into your life has to do with who you are and I don't think it's good in recognizing that society might be doing bad things to not be focusing on building oneself up as a person and being content with taking care of oneself as on their own even knowing that you might be losing um something that is really meaningful so you know, to put this from the perspective of a man, maybe he might not be able to find, um, to like build a family or for a woman, the same thing when she's older. And, and in some ways you can partly blame society for that because say you can't find a virtuous woman or, 
um, because of how society has been affecting what women are like. And then for women, because they've been not been told the truth about their timelines, then that hurts them later in life. I still think that they have to accept that and um, take care of themselves regardless, rather than you know blanket blaming the other sex. Um, I mean, I can't even say I see more from men or women. I see both sides doing that. Women more through like modern day feminism stuff, but men too, um, with like some of the MGTOW stuff that I, I've seen online. Um, so do you agree with what I'm saying? Or what are your, <laughs> thoughts, on, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I have to say I, I agree. Like overall, I do. Um, I really do think, you know, you know, personal virtue, you know, becoming your best self, you know, whatever self-helpy thing you want to in, in interject here is, 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 has to be a priority um, because whatever context you're in, um, you're the only person responsible for yourself, you know, obviously. Uh, that being said, I, I understand why people uh, have a bit of, um, yeah, a, there is tension between the sexes. Um, and like you said, you know, it, it happens in the mainstream with women, you know, it's it's all over, you know, uh, kill all men, whatever hashtag you like. There, it, There's all sorts of people that are quite, quite rabid about it. And it's also, you know, it's, it's kind of quite a high status thing to do now. And I think that's why a lot of women, you know, kind of gravitate towards it. Um, and for men, it's probably happening in more secret forums, of, you know, behind anonymous avatars, things like that. But it's happening. I mean, I've, I've, I've been. Yeah. In, in the incel forums i've been on on the MGTOW stuff and yeah i mean there's some there's some really pissed off people <laughs> and i and i get it um but at the same time the you know like you said you know the the blame isn't really you know like i can't you know put collective blame on women you know it's not like the women one had like a big meeting i don't know in the 1950s and said you know from now on we're just gonna be total bitches and, and we're gonna be on the war path against men um a lot of this stuff is you know is kind of downstream from historical political and even like technological factors you know just the the way the the territory flows uh, is also kind of you know what influenced women like you know the the example is always like you know the the washing machine did more for female empowerment than you know 20 years of suffragettes marching and, and things like that and it is true like little things like this really really change the landscape and um, they allowed some things they made certain ideas more palatable they you know women being in the workplace you did, did empower them um, you know these things are emergent from from you know the the nature of, of history and how it flows um, so blaming either men or women it's not going to do it um, and I think you know you need to you need to look at the territory make a good map understand where you are understand human nature understand men women uh, and then you make the best of what you have and that's the only thing anyone can ever do and blaming other people is just going to, you know, waste your time and, and I don't know, increase your internet bill. You know, it's, uh, it's <laughs> not very good. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to be releasing this interview around the time of uh, like February because I, or March or it's sometime away because they have the like, International Women's Day and that kind of stuff. And I, mm -hmm. I guess I want to, you know, get a message out there. And um, 
what would you what's like what what is advice that you would give to women specifically um based on the current climate social climate yeah um i think they should they should uh they should take the red pill <laughs> it, um i think you know it, it it is hard to be especially a young woman now because there's so much stuff you know on the one hand pandering to you because you know women are the the biggest consumer demographic we have you know women make i think what 70 80% of purchases in the market um 80% i've looked at that that statistic yeah. So, so, you know, the, the, the market for pandering to women is immense. So try to, you know, shut your ears off, you know, try to maybe, um, read a little bit of, you know, classical literature, maybe a little bit of evolutionary biology, just kind of understand, make a, make a map of the territory, uh, understand where you are. And then, you know, kind of in a way, <laughs> almost, almost like a um, meditative state, you know, kind of feel into yourself and imagine what the, what the life is that you want to lead, uh, kind of independently of, of what people tell you that you should want to, to do, because you might wake up, you might be following, you know, the, the trendiest path in life, you know, the one that maximizes your, you know, how much fusion cuisine you consume, how many trips you take, how many wine tastings you go to, but it's gonna end, you know, lead to a dead end in like 10 years. So think about it and also think about your life in its entirety. You know, don't don't think about it in like, how am I going to optimize the next five years and make them jam packed with fun. But think about yourself as also a part of a, of a lineage, you know, think about yourself in the context of your family, of your, of your society of, you know, kind of like, uh, like Jordan Peterson describes those concentric circles of, you know, learn to take care of yourself, your family, and then you can, you can go out and, you know, contribute. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my basic advice. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I really agree with listening to yourself and getting in touch with yourself because a lot of the, the reason behind, why it feels like everything is a lie is because people I think aren't in touch with themselves um biologically and that's not to say we can't like change or we 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 have to only succumb to instinct but I I do think that we want people in society to to be happy and I don't I don't really think that nature in this way is like leading us astray (laughs) I, I don't I don't think that um, and I just wanted to bring up um, what happened last year with uh, Amy Coney Barrett being confirmed to the, the Supreme Court. And uh, again, just trying to give people or tell people that they can, well, to the like 20% of women who listen to my podcast, because it's mostly men <laughs> who listen, but the way that they they were like tearing that woman down even though she was female which is like what they they meaning like feminist writers out there or i mean just mainstream publications who if she was like not say conservative or she was the right kind of politically right kind of woman she would be praised i mean i just thought that that was terrible um you know like I mean, I guess to try to be to be more specific, you know, they were comparing her to like the handmaid and like that kind of stuff, which to me seems insane. Um, because she was like Christian or and she had like kids and 
all of that, like there are lots of political women on the left who have also had lots of kids or whatever, but they didn't focus on that. They don't focus on that for them. But it seems to me the fact that they were shaming her a lot in this way says a lot about how they view women who might want that kind of um, role, I guess. And I mean, she's also a lawyer. Like She also has a lot of like accomplishments outside of that that it seemed weren't even being focused on. I guess that disturbed me because... I would think that mainstream society would be happy that someone was doing what they wanted. And so I really want to agree with you to not pay attention to what society is saying, um, but to pay attention to what you might want. And it's also telling myself, you know, like I'm interested, you know, personally in in this topic. So um, I I guess I, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I think um, I think it's, it's quite telling, you know, how um, how rabid people can get about about opposition and how fast their principles, you know, especially about things like I don't know gender or or things like that fall away quite quickly. I mean, it's the same effect. Like um, I don't know, was it uh, was it Kanye or someone who I think you know was it Joe Biden who said that he ain't black because he's you know he's voting the wrong way or things like that you you use uh, you lose your credentials as a protected category if you if you make the wrong moves or, or say you like uh, you like something that's you know from the from the naughty list um, so yeah they did they did the same to Kellyanne Conway or you know any other woman that's uh, you know that's a girl boss but is bossing on the other side so yeah it's um, it's like that uh, that famous quote about uh, you know politics being about the the distinction between your friend and your enemy and that's kind of what it boils down to you know all the principles are good and fine if they're for our friends people on our side get all the principles the enemies get none uh and you know the fact that they don't they don't see the the hypocrisy because i mean there's a whole industry of of liberal hypocrisy being pointed out every day still they they don't budge they don't care uh so it's uh it's quite yeah it was quite it was quite shocking the way they treated her uh, but yeah, I mean, in the end, uh, in the end, she's there, and and also in the end, nothing's really happening. So, so their their worst fears were not uh, were not uh, fulfilled. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's appalling what they did, and I want to press that example home because I really don't think that people who say that they care about um, not just women, but we're talking about women in this context, what women want, actually care. I I think they just they just say that, uh, you know. Um, it, as you said, in terms of principles, not really, not really mattering. So I think that I've covered everything that I specifically um, wanted to ask you about. I'm just thinking in my head if if there was there was anything else. I don't think so. Do you have any final thoughts? You don't have to. I know I can, <laughs> we can cut out a lot of this this part. But um... what to talk about? Not, not really. I mean, I think we we covered the you know the the main gist of of my gripe with feminism pretty well. Okay, and do you have any questions for me potentially? Because we're finishing early, so I'm just trying to see if there's anything else. 
Yeah, of course. I, I actually wanted to to ask you if you think, you know, because you're, we're kind of, you know, we're from different cultures, but you're, you know, you're from Jamaica, I'm from Eastern Europe. We, we both lived in the West for a while. Do you think that this is um, a kind of an, an important factor, you know, that gives you the, you know, the, the necessary perspective to be noticing this stuff? Because I do feel like, you know, people who have, you know, grown up in the West for, you know, since they were little, that it's the water they swim in. So they don't really feel as shocked by the by the discrepancy and by the you know the lack of truth as as like I don't know me or you uh, and it might be like an advantage to have this. Um, I do think so, and uh, a really good example of this is I have a really good friend um, in Jamaica um, who I've discussed both racial and gender issues with, and like not in great detail because she doesn't care that much <laughs> but um you know like the other day I was asking her I don't know how it came up but we were talking about feminism and um she's in Trinidad and the first thing she was like she, the first thing she said was like I, I don't like it because they just hate men this is straight out of her mouth and i just thought it was really really funny because like i hadn't really given her my opinion or anything that was like her wherever whatever she had seen or read somewhere and i do think that a lot of uh people over here wouldn't see that so i think there's there's something to that um the cultural thing and being an outsider that that seems more obvious um so i guess yeah yes answer your question yeah I've, I've had that with with you know people i know in romania as well like i was i was pretty was pretty much a very early feminist here and everyone was you know thought that i was nuts and now i have to agree with them yeah i was i was pretty nuts but <laughs> but it was something new it was it was interesting because it was kind of like an import ideology from the west you know I, I just went there went to college got indoctrinated real hard for about two years then i came back here and i was like guys haven't you heard about stereotype threat? <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, these, these peasants, they know nothing. But actually, if you look at the replication crisis, stereotype threat is, is not really a valid concept. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny um, that you're talking about going to university and stuff, because like I came here and I studied biology and uh, studio arts. And then I did business more recently, but I didn't do any explicitly woke thing. Like I, I wasn't into that. Now I did go to a very liberal arts college, so I was exposed to that regardless. And I think what made me start thinking about this was realizing how subtle it was. It's just like this given, given thing that like men are to blame for any, any like bad thing when it comes to women or or I, I guess the, the racial stuff too is, is an obvious thing to me. And I, I think it, it definitely has to do with not coming from that. So you're kind of like, huh? What is this like assumption that everybody has that I'm not used to seeing? Like it, that, that, does, that does happen. So. Yeah, it's a, it's it's quite interesting. Like I think I think um it might be that, you know, coming from Eastern Europe, you know, the the biggest thing you want to do is become western. It's like a big aspiration. So, if you're an Eastern European student, you want to go to the west and like kind of integrate and become become one of them. So, I think the 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 fact that, you know, you go there and there are all these like aspirational ideologies, they really stick to you for a while, but then, you know, 
you know, like I said, you know, you kind of have to, you know, if you're at, at least, if you're a bit more interested in, in what's real rather than what's high status, you're going to figure it out eventually. But it is really enticing at the beginning because you're like, okay, this is, is this what uh, the uh, the kids here believe? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go along with it for a while. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to end the conversation here, even though I think we could talk for some more. Um, thank you very much uh, for your time. This conversation is, is meaningful to me uh, to have um, with you. And uh, it's something that I, like, I haven't really thought through um, before, say, like, last last year or two years ago but it was something that was like kind of brewing in the the back of my head but didn't take up my mind as much when it came to um identity politics kind of stuff um and uh yeah i guess that's it would you like to tell people again where to find you and what you talk about yeah for sure for sure. Like uh, the the main hub for me is at the moment, uh, hopefully for longer, is my Twitter. So it's it's at Kashuta. It's my my last name, um, and I also now host a, a subversive podcast, which is on all the platforms uh, and also on YouTube as well. Um, so you can find that at subversive Kashuta. If you type that in, it should it should pop up somewhere. And I I write essays uh, like all over the place. And I also have a Substack where I do write essays. So it's uh, Alex Kashuta. Um, substack.com all right so i do recommend that you guys go ahead and do that and i also i have to remind you um to support this show and this content if you like hearing these conversations um you can do that at just making out loud.tv slash support and uh i hope that you found use from this conversation and you let us know in the comments or I guess elsewhere what you think. I also hope that you have a good day. Goodbye.